0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's so good to be with you. We are in our second week of a sermon series that we kicked off last week called Emotionist, getting a grip of your heart and mind. And last week we opened up this sermon series by digging into the fact that we are all emotional. We're all emotional. And what can be the tendency for us is to pretend like we're not. It can be a tendency for us to pretend like we're not emotional, like we're not led by emotions, like we don't make emotional decisions. And so for some of you in the room, men, what we can often do is go, well, I'm logical and rational and I don't make emotional decisions, but the wife sitting next to you would tell you otherwise. That we make emotional decisions because we are emotional beings. Now, that's okay. That's a great thing, in fact, because we were made in the image of a God who is full of emotion. We see that over and over and over again throughout the Bible. We see in the Old Testament and the New that God's heart is stirred, that that he has emotional responses to his people. And so we are made in the image of a God who is emotional, and so it's okay that we are Emotional, the problem for us is that we are sometimes controlled by our emotions. And we were not set free by the power of Jesus Christ so that we could live as slaves to our emotions. We were set free by the power of Jesus Christ so that we could live in submission to the authority and lordship of our King, Jesus and so when we walk through our lives, we don't live as slaves to our feelings. We live as servants of the master, our king, Jesus. And so last week, this is where we started off in this series. We looked at Jeremiah 17, 9, where the prophet says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And maybe for you, that's where you feel when you think about your emotions and when you think about your emotional health and where you are emotionally. It's easy for you to go, I don't understand why I feel the way I feel. I don't understand why I respond this way. I don't understand where this emotion comes from. And the prophet Jeremiah is going, yes, absolutely. Why? Because our hearts We are born with our hearts as slaves to sin. And so the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But thanks be to Jesus Christ, we don't have to live as slaves. We don't have to live as slaves. We've been set free. And so why does all this matter? Because your emotional self-awareness is a crucial aspect of your personal spiritual maturity. If you want to grow... In your relationship to Jesus, if you wanna grow in your maturity as a follower of Jesus, if you wanna grow as a person in all aspects of your life, your emotional self-awareness is a part of that. It's a crucial part of that. We need to understand not just how we feel, but what we feel. And last week we talked about this idea that so often we respond to the question, how are you feeling? With the one word answer, we've all gotten great at repeating. We say, fine. How am I feeling? Fine. And God has more in store for you than fine. Jesus came so that you wouldn't have to settle for fine. And so it's not just how am I feeling, it's what am I feeling. Part of understanding what I'm feeling is my emotional self-awareness, and that plays a huge role in my personal spiritual growth and maturity. And so we closed last week by looking at this beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, faith is the art of clinging to what we have reasons to be true despite our shifting moods. You cannot always control your moods, you cannot always control your emotions, but you can practice faith, and faith is the art of clinging to what you've reasoned to be true despite your shifting moods. And so this week, as we jump in to our second week in this series, I want to look at this word, proactivity, or being proactive. Because today, we're gonna focus on how being proactive can actually not just move us out of the slavery of our emotions and how we feel, but by the power of Jesus Christ you and I can be proactive and take control and take responsibility in areas of our lives that we never had control of before, that we never felt like we could really get a handle on before, but Jesus Christ has come so that we could live in a brand new power in these areas of our lives. So in 1989, Dr. Stephen Covey wrote a book that has gone on to sell millions and millions of copies. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And The Seven Habits, this is a leadership book and a business book that is used um, all over the place. Fortune 500 companies do um, huge trainings every year on The Seven Habits. There's actually a Seven Habits curriculum that is used by uh, school districts all over the country to help raise up uh, elementary and middle school and high school students. To understand what these seven habits are my wife and her role with the st john's county school district has often taught these seven habits my children go to a school where they learn these seven habits and habit number one according to this book according to dr stephen covey's work is this be proactive The number one habit of highly effective people, according to Dr. Stephen Covey, who's a social scientist, that the number one habit of highly effective people is to be proactive, and he defines it this way. To be proactive is to take responsibility for your behavior, results, and growth. Number one habit of highly effective people is being proactive to take responsibility for your behavior, to take responsibility for your results, and to take responsibility for your growth. Now, my background before becoming your pastor is that I spent a lot of years with college students. I spent about 12 years either as a leader in ministry or as a pastor in college ministry. And what that looked like is I met with a lot of 18 to 25-year-olds who were trying to figure out this huge aspect of life. And I can tell you right now, years on, those 18 to 25-year-olds who grew into successful and high-functioning adults were people that understood this. And I meet people today in this community who are in their 40s and 50s and even 60s. I meet people today who haven't mastered this yet, and you know some of them. You know the people who it's always someone else's fault. It's always on someone else. If they had not if only they had it, I'll tell you, everything was going great until they said or they did. But here's the thing, if that's how you live your life, you are a slave to what everyone else does or says. You have no control over your own life. If you live as a slave to what other people do, if you respond only based on what other people do, You will live your life as a slave. And Jesus came that we would be set free. You do not need to live your life as a slave to what someone else does. And so when we understand this, when we grab a hold of this, when we say, I'm going to be proactive, which means I'm taking the responsibility. It's on me. And here's why we don't like to take responsibility, because we don't ever want it to be our fault. We don't ever want it to be our fault. We don't ever want to have to go, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. That was on me. We all want to avoid that. But if we live our lives trying to avoid that, we will live our lives avoiding responsibility for our behavior, our results, and our growth. And we will live our lives as slaves to other people's choices. This is what Stephen Covey says later on in the chapter. I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. Let me say this again for us. I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. No matter where you're from, no matter how desperate the circumstances you came out of, you are not a product of your circumstances. You are a product of your decisions, which means that you have freedom no matter how desperate the circumstance you're in. You've got the freedom to choose, to make decisions, to say it doesn't matter what they did and it doesn't matter what's happening in this situation. I am choosing to live my life in this way. I am choosing to live my life based on these values, based on these beliefs, based on this faith. I am choosing to live my life because I I'm taking responsibility. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. The problem here is that we are prone towards being reactive. We are prone towards being reactive. You and I are prone to avoid responsibility and simply to react. Someone does this, and then I do that. I never would have made this decision if they wouldn't have done A, B, or C. We're prone towards being reactive. And so let me show you kind of what we're talking about here. We're talking about a proactive mindset and a reactive mindset. A proactive mindset, there's a stimulus, and no matter what the stimulus is, you go, I've got the freedom to choose what my response is. The reactive mindset says, stimulus equals response. And if that's how you live your life, you have taken your decision making out of the equation. If you simply settle for being reactive, what God is doing in your heart and how God is trying to renew you gets completely removed from the equation. And you simply live as a slave to the choices of other people. That's not what happened. that's not what Jesus has for you. Jesus has freedom for us. And so the freedom that Jesus has for us means we get to live proactively. Now, why is this such a crucial thing for our spiritual growth? Why is this such a crucial thing for our spiritual growth? Because you cannot control every emotion you feel. You can't. You cannot control every emotion you feel. Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, there are going to be emotions you feel, and you can't do anything about it. You just feel that emotion. But, but you do have control over the emotions you act on. You cannot control every emotion you feel, but you do have control over the emotions you act on, which means you don't have to simply fly off the handle every time you feel angry. You don't have to act out in rage every time you feel jealous. You don't have to close yourself off into isolation every time you feel sad or ashamed. You can't always control the emotions you feel, but but you have complete control over the emotions you act on. Be proactive with your emotions, because Jesus has come that we would be set free, so be proactive with your emotions. You have agency. Agency just means you have authority, you have responsibility, there's something you can do. You are the person who gets to decide You have agency over your actions, your behaviors, your mindsets. You have agency over your attitudes. And if you have agency over your actions and behaviors and mindsets and attitudes, then with the help of the Holy Spirit, you have agency over your emotions. This means by the power of the living God who is dwelling within you You can take control of what you feel. You can take control of what you feel by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. And a bunch of people have written, I mean, you can go into Barnes & Noble today and there are four sections of books that are all about self-help and all about the ways that you can do this. And here's all the disciplines and things you can do to do this. But here's what all of those books leave out You cannot do this on your own strength. You can't do it by yourself. Self cannot help self in this circumstance. You need the Holy Spirit of God to breathe a new power and a new identity into you. But if the Holy Spirit of God is doing that one of the outcomes of the new life that you have in Jesus Christ is that you do not have to live as an emotional slave and you don't have to be out of control of the emotions you feel. Why do we we believe this? Because this is what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So what do you do? You put it off and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. So you take the old, you take the old, the slave, the reactive person and you put it off. You say, that's not who I am anymore. Jesus has given me a brand new identity. So I'm putting away the old and I'm putting on the new. I'm putting on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the question. Here's the question that kind of hangs in the balance for us. If the new self that we are putting on is created after the likeness of God. Do we believe that God has no control over the emotions he feels? Do we believe God has no control over the emotions he feels? Or do we rightly believe that he is God. He is that of which the greater there cannot be. He is the ultimate authority and sovereign in all things, which means God doesn't feel an emotion he hasn't decided to feel. If you and I are being transformed into the image of God by putting on the new self by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means that we are putting on the power of God to take control over our emotions and our feelings. By the power of Jesus, you can begin to take control over your emotions. By the power of Jesus, you can begin to take control over your emotions And we're we're at that point in the sermon where you're going, okay, Rob, I get what you're saying, and intellectually I agree with you, but I don't believe you. I don't believe I can really take control over my emotions. Maybe you don't understand what I've been through. Maybe you don't understand what I feel, but there's no way I can really take control of this. I can understand the idea of being proactive and saying I can take control over my actions. I don't have to act on every emotion I feel, but there's no way I can take control over my emotions let me tell you what Paul writes to the church in Philippi you see Paul is writing from house arrest Paul is on house arrest in Rome awaiting a trial where he will ultimately lose his life and he writes a letter to the church in Philippi and the, and the letter is about joy And he's writing to the Philippian community because they are a mess. They're a wreck. They can't control their emotions. They can't control what they're feeling. They are overcome by sorrow. And it's not just the sorrow of going, there's something bad happening or I'm sad over the loss of someone. There is an impending sense of doom for the church in Philippi. And they're going, Paul, if you die, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the future holds. Paul, we are becoming fatalistic in our worldview. And so this is what Paul writes to them. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul is writing to this community, and he's saying, here's how you begin, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because you cannot do this on your own, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Here's how you begin to take control of your emotional health. Here's how you begin to take control of what you feel. You control what you dwell on. Because there are going to be times where emotion is going to hit. There's going to be times where something happens and you find that emotion rushing in and there's nothing you can do about it. But here's where you have control. You have control on what you dwell on. So when you realize you're feeling something, when you've got an emotional response that doesn't line up with the new self that God is putting on you, the new self that God has called you to take up and put on, when you start to feel something, when you have an emotional response that doesn't line up with who Jesus has claimed that you are, you don't have to dwell on it. Instead, you go... What is true? This is how I feel. But is it true? Is it? Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with who God says I am? If not, then I'm not dwelling on it. I'm not giving it any more time in my mind or in my heart. Is it true? Is it honorable? Because let's be honest. Can we just say up front here in the church and we love to share a bunch of stuff that's true but not honorable we love to share a bunch of things that are true but don't lift anyone up so is it true is it honorable is it just is it pure is it lovely is it commendable is there excellence there? Is there anything worthy of praise there? And what you're going to start doing is you're going to develop this filter. That's all Paul's saying here. He says, here's what I want you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, is I want you to begin to filter out your thoughts. And I want you to begin to filter out your emotions and your heart. I want you to begin to apply this filter over your heart and mind and start going, you know what? If it's not true, I'm not spending my time on it. If it's not pure, I'm not spending my time on it. If it's not honorable and commendable and lovely, if there's nothing worthy of praise there, if there's nothing excellent there, I'm not spending my time on it. I gotta tell you, church, if we will adopt this filter, it will not help us just take control of our emotions, but it will radically change the outlook of an entire community. If you wanna see the church lead change in a community, let's start being a people who adopt this filter to everything we feel and everything we think. And I promise you, you will see change in the community. Because don't we all want to be around people like this? Don't we all wish that our friends and our family and loved ones were people like this? Don't we feel ourselves drawn to people who were like this? Don't we find ourselves trusting the words and wisdom of people like this? Of people who don't waste their times on, on, on things that are not true, things that are not pure, things that are not honorable or just or lovely? Paul is saying to the church in Philippi and he is saying to us today right now in Putnam County, Florida. Here's how you begin to live in the emotional freedom that Jesus came to give. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable. Think about what is just and pure and lovely. Think about whether or not it's commendable. Think about the excellence and praiseworthiness. And if that's what you find there, then that's where you spend your emotional and mental strength. Thinking, dwelling on what is true and pure and lovely. This will not happen overnight. So do not be discouraged that when you wake up tomorrow and you try to adopt this filter, there's still some emotion and still some feeling and still some thoughts getting in. It's gonna take a long time, because guess what? You didn't get to where you are overnight. You didn't get to where you are overnight. You're not getting out of there overnight. But God tells us, it's time to take off the old self. It's time to take off the old self that is a slave to a deceitful heart, and begin to put on the new self. The new self crafted in the image and likeness of God. And the God that we worship is not a slave to anyone or anything. So church, it's time for us to start stepping out in freedom, in emotional freedom it begins like this. I want to invite you to join us next week as we continue in this sermon series. Next week, we're going to be talking more about this idea of what it means to live under control. What it means for us to start living our lives under the control of nothing and no one but the Holy Spirit of God. Can I pray for this? Heavenly Father, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you have come to give us freedom. You've come to give us freedom. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would be a slave to no one and nothing but you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would begin to help us take control over how we feel by applying a filter teaches us to dwell only on what is true and honorable and praiseworthy. Jesus, we thank you that you and your Holy Spirit have empowered us to do this. Even though it may seem so difficult and so impossible, God, your word tells us that you have come to give us this freedom. So help us to walk in it. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.